there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Amen. My name's Mark and it's great to be with you this morning. Awesome to watch these baptisms and to hear testimonies of lives being changed. It's our second week of our Advent series, This Changes Everything. And uh, during Advent, we're looking at a, a few of the people from Jesus's genealogy that are recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel. Last week, Pete spoke to us about Abraham and the role that he played, the important role that he played in the story of Jesus coming. And we read the genealogy of Jesus and it's a really long, long Uh, family tree. Pete did really well getting all of those names out. 42 generations. That's a lot of great, 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 great grandmas and grandpas. And one of the things that Jesus's genealogy shows us simply by virtue of how long it is, is that God was at work for a really long time. He was at work really intentionally in the lives and in the stories of the people that he used as Jesus's ancestors. Something that's a little unusual about the genealogy in Matthew is that he mentions four women by name, four women by name, which was a little bit unusual in this time, in this culture. We read about Tamar, Rahab, Ruth and Bathsheba. And it was uncommon for genealogies to mention women. And yet he mentions four women, four women. And it gets even more interesting because he mentions four women who were Gentile women. These were not women who were Jewish women. It was unusual because Matthew's gospel was a very Jewish gospel. It was probably written to a Jewish audience, people who were Jewish, and to not have any of the women that they well regarded in Judaism mentioned, women like Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel, none of those women were mentioned. The women he does mention were all Gentiles, and each of them have backgrounds that are somewhat dubious somewhat dubious, as we'll see in a few moments. Perhaps Matthew mentions these women deliberately because this is one of his ways of showing us, the readers of his gospel, that it was always God's plan to use all people, Jews and Gentiles, men and women. All of us are welcome, irrespective of our background, no matter how dubious it may be. Time's a bit tight this morning because we've got all these hampers to pack and um, really looking forward to uh, getting over to Forestdale and um, packing hampers over there as well. So uh, the sermon will be a bit short this morning. So we're just going to touch on one of these women. We're going to talk about a woman by the name of Rahab who was a prostitute. That was her dubious background. We read about Rahab in the book of Joshua. She comes into the scene in chapter two and The background is the Israelites were preparing to enter into the land that God had promised them for a long, long time. But before they went into the land, Joshua sends two spies into the land. And he says, in particular, I want you guys to go and scope out Jericho. Go and check out Jericho. Jericho was Rahab's hometown. And it was a city that was surrounded with massive walls. It was an incredibly well fortified city. And this is where Rahab lives. This is where she has her residence. Rahab ends up hiding these two spies in her home, which was possibly 
also her brothel. And she did this at great personal risk. She does it at great personal risk because you read that the king actually finds out that Rahab has two spies in her home. So he sends some men to go and, to go and investigate. And Rahab says to these, to these men that the king had sent to her house, they've gone, the spies have gone, they've gone that way, but they were actually hiding up on the roof of her house. And it's because of Rahab's intervention at this point, because she was hiding the spies on the roof of her house, that they managed to escape to safety and go back and report to Joshua. If you have your Bible, we're just going to read two quick verses from Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. And this was Rahab speaking to the spies while they were hiding out in her house. And this is what she said to the spies. She says, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God. He's God in heaven above and on the earth below. So Rahab and other people in the city of Jericho had clearly heard these amazing stories of what God had done for the nation of Israel. They'd heard the story of God opening up the sea and of Israel marching through on dry land, of God's deliverance of this people. They'd heard some of the miraculous military victories that God had given to the Israelite nation. And in response to hearing these stories, Rahab believed that this God, this God was the true God. This was the true God. And just like Abraham believed in God, just like Abraham trusted in God, that's what Rahab does here. She heard the stories, she believed the stories and she acted on the stories, on the belief that she had. She believed that this God who parted the sea for these people was the true God and that he was her God, the God indeed of the universe. So this was Rahab's confession of faith. And when we get to the New Testament, we read in the books of James and Hebrews that Rahab was portrayed as a woman who had faith in God. So the spies left Jericho. They returned to Joshua. They report on what they've seen and they return and they ransack the city of Jericho. They level the city of Jericho. The fortified walls come down. This city that was, was a military stronghold was reduced to nothing because this God was with his people. But Rahab, Rahab and her family were all spared. And we read in Joshua chapter 6 that she continued to live among the Israelites. She converted, she converted, and she became a part of this Jewish community. Ultimately, she became one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus himself. Here she was, a Canaanite woman, a Canaanite woman, a foreigner, a prostitute. Everything about this woman pointed to the fact that she wasn't good enough, that she was an outsider. But God didn't see any of this stuff. None of this stuff actually mattered to God. 
Rahab was a woman of faith. She was a woman who believed in and put her trust in God. And she was a woman who played an incredibly important story in God's story, in God's story. And she's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus himself, God's son who comes to save the universe. Now, when you think about the stories that we read throughout the Bible, the one about God parting the sea, the miraculous stories of walls just falling down, feeding people with a handful of fish, thousands of people with a handful of fish and a few loaves of bread. We read this story and, and perhaps what Rahab did looks quite small and insignificant, hiding a couple of guys up on the roof of her house. But this small act of compassion, this small act of kindness, it actually had really significant consequences. And at the time, Rahab had no idea how things would play out for her and her family, how things would play out for the nation of Israel, how things would play out for Jericho. She had no idea that she would be remembered as a great woman of faith, this prostitute, this Canaanite prostitute. She had no idea that she would be mentioned by name, mentioned by name in Jesus's genealogy for doing one simple thing, hiding a couple of guys on the roof of a house. What a great story of someone responding to God, trusting in God and of a life being forever changed and transformed. It's an amazing story of redemption and it demonstrates for us how our actions, even those things that seem really small and potentially feel really insignificant at the time, can make such a big difference in God's overarching story of redemption. For us, perhaps there are times when we feel like we're kind of just moseying through life, wandering through life and feeling that our lives at times are not particularly meaningful. Like the things that we do on a daily basis in our workplaces, in our, in our homes, won't really make all that much of a difference. But the story of Rahab demonstrates for us that God can actually use everything that we do to fulfil his sovereign purposes, even though we might not be aware of it at the time. Perhaps this week you performed a small act of compassion or kindness for a workmate or a neighbour. It potentially impacted that person in ways that you may never fully comprehend or appreciate. In fact, you might be completely oblivious that you've had such a significant impact in that person's life at all. Just like Rahab, completely unawares that hiding a couple of guys on the roof would have such a significant impact. So today, we're packing hampers. I haven't counted these hampers, but there's a lot of hampers here. There's some down on the floor too, right? There's a lot of hampers here. Each one of these hampers represents a small act of compassion and of kindness, which has incredible potential. Each one of these hampers has incredible potential. The first year that we did hampers at Forestdale, I went and delivered uh, some hampers to uh, a couple of different families. And one of the families, I was, um, I'd got out of the car and I'd left the hamper at the door and there was nobody home. I saw mum drive into the, drive into the driveway and the two, her two young daughters were looking out the window and they saw me with this big hamper and they were just ecstatic. They came out and mum came out, she was just, she was just in tears. 
Mum felt overwhelmed that we noticed her. She felt overwhelmed that somebody cared for her. Each one of these hampers represents incredible potential. Potential to bless a family, potential to change somebody's circumstances, maybe in a small way, but maybe in a really significant way. Each one of these hampers represents the potential to demonstrate God's love and his heart of compassion for somebody in our broader community. Potential for somebody to perhaps see us as, as the church in a more positive light. Potential for God to accomplish his purposes. Rahab's story is such a beautiful reminder that God uses all types of people to fulfil his plans. And he uses us in ways that we may never fully comprehend or appreciate or appreciate in our lifetime. But this is an opportunity for us this morning to partner with God and to bless people in incredible ways. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Rahab, the story of a woman who you took and transformed a woman whose own personal story became a a significant part of your big story of redemption. It's a story of hope. It's a story of change. It's a story of transformation. And yet she did something which seemed so small and perhaps even felt insignificant. Thank you, Father God, that you use each one of us, that you use each of our stories as a part of your big redemption story. And even those things that we do in our lives on a a day-to-day basis that, that might at times feel insignificant or a waste of our time. I pray, Father God, that You would help us to live in such a way, to live with the knowledge that You, our God, can use everything that we do to accomplish Your good purposes. Amen.